0: Chapter Four of Stella Fragilis, by H. Rider Haggard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick Seventy Nine. Chapter Four. Mary preaches and the Colonel prevails. A fortnight had gone by, and during this time Morris was a frequent visitor at Sea View. Also his cousin Mary had come over twice or thrice to lunch, with her father or without him. Once, indeed, she had stopped all afternoon, spending most of it in the workshop with Morris. This workshop, it may be remembered, was the old chapel of the Abbey, a very beautiful and still perfect building finished in early Tudor times, in which by good fortune the rich stained glass of the east window still remained. It made a noble and spacious laboratory, with its wide nave and lovely roof of chestnut wood, whereof the corbels and serifs white-robed and golden-ringed. Are you not afraid to desecrate such a place with your horrid devices? I mean the iron things, the furnace and the litter. Asked Mary, she had sunk down upon an anvil on which lay a newspaper, the first seat that she could find, and then surveyed the strange, incongruous scene. Well, if you ask me— "'I don't like it,' answered Morris. "'But there is no other place that I can have, for my father is afraid of the forge in the house, and I can't afford to build a workshop outside.' "'It ought to be restored,' said Mary, "'with a beautiful organ in a carved case, and a lovely alabaster altar, and one of those perpetual lamps of silver.' Uh, the French call them velouses, don't they? And the stations of the cross in carved oak, and all the rest of it. Mary, it may be explained, had a tendency to admire the outward adornments of ritualism, if not its doctrines. Quite so, answered Morris, smiling. When I have from five to seven thousand to spare, I will set out about the job, and hire a high church chaplain with a fine voice to come, and say mass for your benefit. Oh by the way, would you like a confessional also? You admitted it from your list. I think not. Besides, what on earth should I confess, except being always late for prayers, through oversleeping myself in the morning? and general uselessness oh i dare say you might find something if you tried suggested morris speak for yourself please morris to begin with your own account there is the crime of sacrilege in using a chapel as a workshop look those are all tombstones of abbots and other holy people and under each tombstone one of them is asleep yet there you are using strong language and whistling and making a horrible noise with hammers just above their heads i wonder they don't hoard you i would if i were they <laughs> Oh, perhaps they do said morris only i don't see them then they can't be there why not because things are invisible and intangible it does not follow that they don't exist as i ought to know as much as anyone of course but i am sure that if there were anything of that sort about you would soon be in touch with it with me it is different i could sleep sweetly with ghosts sitting on my bed in rows why do you say that about me i mean asked morris in a more earnest voice oh i don't know Go and look at your eyes in the glass. But I dare say you often look. Look here, Morris. You think me very silly, well, almost foolish, don't you? I never thought anything of the sort. As a matter of fact, if you want to know, I think you are a young woman rather more idle than most and with a perfect passion for burying your talent in a very white napkin. Well it all comes to the same thing for there isn't much difference between fool born and fool manufactured sometimes i wake up however and have moments of wisdom as when i made you hear that thing you know thereby proving that it is all right only useless haven't i i dare say but come to the point Oh, don't be in a hurry It is rather hard to express myself. What I mean is that you had better give up staring. Staring? I never stared at you or or anything in my life. Stupid, Morris. By staring, I mean stargazing. And by stargazing, I mean trying to get away from the earth. In your mind, you know. Morris rang his fingers through his untidy hair, and opened his lips to answer. "'Don't contradict me,' she interrupted in a full, steady voice. "'That's what you are thinking of half the day, and dreaming about all the night.' "'What's that?' he ejaculated. "'I don't know,' she answered, with a sudden access of indifference. "'Do you know yourself?' i am waiting for instruction said morris sarcastically all right then i'll try i mean that you are not satisfied with this world and those of us who live here you keep trying to fashion another oh yes you have been at it from a boy you see i have got a good memory i remember all your vision stories and then you try to imagine its inhabitants well said morris with a sudden air of a convicted criminal without admitting one word of this nonsense what if i do only that you had better look out that you don't find whatever it is you seek it's a horrible mistake to be so spiritual at least in that kind of way you should eat and drink and sleep ten hours as i do and not go craving for visions till you can see and praying for power until you can create see create who what the inhabitant or inhabitants just think you may have been building europe all this time imagination by imagination and thought by thought Then her day might come, and all that you have put out piecemeal will return at once. Yes, she may appear, and take you, and possess you, and lead you. She! Why she? And where? Oh, to the devil, I imagine, answered Mary composedly. And as you are a man, one can guess the guide's sex. Oh, it's getting dark. Let's go out. This is such a creepy place in the dark that it actually makes me understand what people mean by nerves. Oh, and Morris, of course, you understand that I have only been talking rubbish. I always liked inventing fairy tales. You taught me, only this one is too grown up disagreeable. What I really mean is that uh, I do think it might be a good thing if you wouldn't live quite so much alone, and would go out a bit more. You are getting quite an odd look on your face. You are indeed, not like other men at all. I believe that it comes from your worrying about this wretched invention until you are half crazy over the thing. Any change there?' he shook his head no i can't find the right alloy not one that can be relied upon i begin to doubt whether it exists oh why don't you give it up for a while at any rate i have i made a novel kind of electric handsaw this spring and sold the patent for a hundred pounds and royalty there's commercial success for you and now i'm at work on a new lamp of which i have the idea i am uncommonly glad to hear it said mary with energy and i say morris you are not offended by my silly parables are you you know what i mean Oh, not a bit i think it is very kind of you to worry your head about an impossible fellow like me and look here mary i have done some dreaming in my time it is true for so far the world has been a place of tribulation to me and it is sick hearts that dream but i mean to give it up for i know as well as you do that there is only one end to all these systems of mysticism mary looked up i mean he went on correcting himself to the mad attempt unduly and prematurely to cultivate our spiritual natures, that we may live to and for them, and not to and for our natural bodies. Exactly my argument, put in long words, said Mary. There will be plenty of time for that when we get down among those old gentlemen yonder. A year or two hence, you know meanwhile let us take the world as we find it it isn't a bad place after all at times there are several things worth doing for those who are not too lazy good-bye i must be off my bicycle is there against the railings oh how i hate that machine now listen morris do you want to do something really useful And earn the blessings of an affectionate relative then invent a really reliable electrical bike that would look nice and do all the work so that i could sit on it comfortable and get to a place without my legs aching as though i had broken them and a red face and no breath left in my body (laughs) i will think about it he said indeed I have thought of it already but the accumulators are the trouble then go on thinking there's an angel think hard and continually until you evolve that blessed instrument of progression oh i say i haven't a lamp oh i'll lend you mine suggested morris no other people's lamps always go out with me and so do my own, for that matter. I'll risk it. I know the policeman, and if we meet, I will argue with him. Good-bye. Don't forget, we are coming to dinner tomorrow night. It's a party, isn't it? Oh, I believe so. What a bore! I must unpack my London dresses. Well, good-bye again. Good-bye, dear, answered Morris and she was gone. "'Dear,' thought Mary to herself, "'he hasn't called me that since I was sixteen. I wonder why he does it now. Because I have been scolding him, I suppose. That generally makes men affectionate.' For a while she glided forward through the grey twilight, and then began to think again, muttering to herself oh you idiot mary why should you be pleased because he called you dear he doesn't really care twopence about you his blood goes no quicker when you pass by and no slower when you stay away oh why do you bother about him and what made you talk all that stuff this afternoon because you think he is in a queer way and that if he goes on giving himself up to these fancies he will become mad yes mad because oh what's the use of making excuses because you are fond of him and always have been fond of him from a child and can't help it oh what a fate to be fond of a man who hasn't the heart to care for you or for any other woman perhaps however that's only because he hasn't found the right one as he might do at any time and then-and where are you going to and where's your light shouted a hoarse voice from the pathway on which he was unlawfully riding oh my good man i wish i knew answered mary blandly morris for whom the day never seemed long enough was a person who breakfasted punctually at half-past eight whereas Colonel Monk, to whom, at any rate at Monksland, the day was often too long, generally breakfast at ten. To his astonishment, however, on entering the dining-room upon the morrow of his interview in the workshop with Mary, he found his father seated at the head of the table. Oh, "'This means a few words with me about something disagreeable thought morris to himself as he dabbed viciously at the evasive sausage he was not fond of these domestic conversations nor was he in the least reassured by his father's airy and informed comments upon the contents of the globe which always arrived by post and the marvel of his daily turnover article whereof the perpetual variety throughout the decades constituted the Colonel was wont to say, the eighth wonder of the world. Instinct, instructed by experience, assured him that these were the first moves in the game. Towards the end of the meal he attempted retreat, pretending that he wanted to fetch something, but the Colonel, who was watching him over the top of the pink page of the globe, intervened promptly. Oh, if you have a few minutes to spare my dear boy i should like to have a chat with you he said "Oh, certainly father answered the dutiful morris i am at your service Oh, very good then i would light my cigar and we might take a stroll on the beach that is after i have seen the cook about the dinner to-night perhaps i shall find you presently down uh, by the steps I shall wait for you there," answered Morris. And wait he did, for a considerable while, for the interview with the cook proved lengthy. Moreover the Colonel was not a punctual person, or one who set an undue value upon his own or other people's time. At length, just as Morris was growing weary of the pristine but enticing occupation of making and drakes with flat pebbles, his father appeared after salutations, as they say in the East. He wasted ten more minutes in abusing the cook, ending up with a direct appeal for her son's estimate of her capacities. Oh, she might be better, she might be worse, answered Morris judicially, oh, quite so, replied the colonel dryly the remark is sound and applies to most things at present however i think that she is worse also i hate the sight of her red fat face but bother the cook why do you think so much about her i have something else to say i don't think said morris she doesn't excite me one way or the other except when she is late with my breakfast then as expected after the cook, came the crisis. "'You will remember, my dear boy,' began the colonel affectionately, "'a little talk we had a while ago.' Uh, "'Which one, father?' "'The last one of any importance, I believe. I refer to the occasion when you stopped out all night contemplating the sea—an incident which impressed it upon my memory.' Morris looked at him. Why was the old gentleman so inconveniently observant? "'And doubtless you remember the subject.' Oh, "'There were many good subjects, father. They range from mortgages to matrimony.' Ah, "'Quite so, to matrimony.' "'Well, have you thought any more about it?' Oh, "'Not particularly, father. Why should I?' confound it morris exclaimed the colonel losing patience don't chop logic like a petty session lawyer let's come to the point that is my desire answered morris and quite clearly there rose up before him an inconsequent picture of his mother teaching him the catechism many many years ago thereat as was customary with his mind when any memory of her touched it, his temper softened like iron beneath the influence of fire. Very good! Then what do you think of Mary as a wife? How should I know under the circumstances? The colonel fumed, and Morris added, I beg your pardon, I understand what you mean. Then his father came to the charge, "'To be brief, will you marry her?' "'Will she marry me?' asked Morris. "'Isn't she too sensible?' His father's eyes twinkled, but he restrained himself. This, he felt, was not an occasion upon which to indulge his powers of sarcasm. "'Upon my word, if you want my opinion, I believe she will.' but you have to ask her first. Oh, look here, my boy, be advised by me, and do it as soon as possible. The notion is rather new to me, I admit, but taking her all round, where would you find a better woman? You and I don't always agree about things. We are of a different generation, and look at the world from different standpoints but i think that at the bottom we will respect each other and i am sure he added with a touch of restrained dignity that we are naturally and properly attached to each other under these circumstances and taking everything else into consideration i am convinced also that you will give weight to my advice i assure you that i do not offer it lightly it is that you should marry your cousin mary there is her side of the case to be considered suggested morris oh doubtless and she is a very shrewd and sensible young woman under all her dolce farniente who is quite capable of consideration i am not worthy of her his son broke in passionately that is for her to decide. I ask you to give her an opportunity of expressing an opinion." Morris looked at the sea and sky. Then he looked at his father standing before him in an attitude that was almost suppliant, his head bowed, hands clasped, and on his clear-cut face an air of real sincerity. What right had he to resist this appeal? He was heart-whole, without any kind of complication, and for his cousin Mary he had true affection and respect. Moreover, they had been brought up together. She understood him, and in the midst of so much that was uncertain and bewildering she seemed something genuine and solid, something to which a man could cling. It may not have been a right spirit in which to approach this question of marriage, but in the case of a young man like Morris, who was driven forward by no passion, by no scheme even of personal advancement, this substitution of reason for impulse and instinct was perhaps natural. "'Very well, I will,' he answered. "'But if she is wise, she won't.' his father turned his head away and sighed softly and that sigh seemed to lift a ton's weight off his heart i am glad to hear it he answered simply the rest must settle itself by the way if you are going up to the house tell the cook that i have changed my mind we will have the soles fried with lemon she always makes a mess of them, oh maitre d'hotel. End of chapter four. Recording by Patrick Seventy-Nine.